0: As I said earlier, it's a, it's a great privilege to be here today, and thanks Debbie and Ronal Renelle is running around, I guess, with Lisa Kanya. Thank you for having us, and um, thank you for uh, just the grace to open up your, your spiritual house so that we can be a part of that today. Um, as he said, my name is Retief, myself, and Edna. We are here from Shofar Tableview, and um, I'll just quickly share the word with you guys today. Um, that the Lord has placed on my heart, and that uh, Debi asked me to share. He said, come and share your story, and so that's exactly what we'll be doing today. Um, If there's a bit of an echo, I'm sure I'll find my my just just now. Um, Who of you guys live in Cape Town, by the way? Who of you do not live in Cape Town? Be careful if you say Table View. I might just have coffee with you afterwards, but... I just wanted to check, the majority of you guys live in town, and Edna and I lived in town a number of years ago, and I'll share on that just now, um, but it's really lovely to, um, to just pop in here again, and it's one of those magical places in a, in a good sense of the word, and we had a bit of an argument in, in, our, in our car on our way here. Apparently, it's, it was voted, my, my one daughter says, the best city in, in, the, in the world, the world. But I said, I think it it was third best. Anybody on those stats? Third. Um, So she said, no, we're the third biggest country. I said third world country. There's a difference, my dear. (laughs) But anyway, um, so we had this conversation, but you guys live in a beautiful city. And uh, it's an honor to be here. Thanks to the elders. Thanks to Debbie and Renel. And thanks to the family that are visiting today. It is uh, really an honor to be here and to share the Lord's word with you. I'm going to just quickly pray, pray and, and just commit this to God. And then I'm going to trust that as we are standing clean before Him, righteous before Him, and as we allow Him in, that He will speak into our hearts. Uh, we prayed in intercession. And the sense I God was like, as we are slowly but surely taking off the masks, so the Lord invites us often, daily, to take off the masks. We are in Christ. We are safe in Christ, but we can take off the masks so that He can get in there. There where it really matters in our hearts. Just get in there. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that as we see in the Gospels, that Jesus, you had a way to get in there. You had a way to get in there. That's who you are. You know us pretty well. You know the amount of hairs on our heads, Lord. You know our coming and our going, our sitting down. You know the words on our lips even before we say them. And you know how to get in there, into those places that really matters, into our hearts. And for those that say today, I'm clean of my sin, I'm washed clean, I'm righteous before God, I acknowledge Him. Lord, for those that, you, that say yes to you, I pray that you will speak into our hearts whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to say, Lord, whatever you want to highlight, we just ask that you will have your way in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, last year that our faith will not be based on man's words, but your Holy Spirit and power. We thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple of weeks back, uh, Debia asked me to come and share on the apostolic, and I, I first thought maybe he's got the wrong number. But when I, I prayed and I seeked the Lord, and as I listened to his sermons that he's, he's done the last two weeks, I realized, well, it might be quite an apt story just to, to highlight what the Lord is saying. I really love the way in which Debbie shared with us, you guys as a congregation, the, almost the simplicity, but the power of the apostolic. And what the apostolic mandate of the Lord is. If I think apostle, I often think of these superhero Christians, which is a bit of an anomaly because you don't get real super superhero Christians, do you? Except there was one who walked the earth and we looked to him. And so he demist- demystified a couple of the terms for us. And I'm going to just quickly, because we've got a number of visitors maybe, or maybe you actually missed one of the services, who knows, uh, we're just going to quickly recap one or two things before I'm just going to share my story. The first thing is, what is an apostle? Um, and it's something that not only myself and Debbie needs to think about, it's something we all think about. And he said to us, so brilliant, it is one who is sent out by Christ, This one that is sent. One with a mandate, a job to do. If you are employed, if you are fortunate enough to have a job at this moment, you have a mandate daily to, to do something. Uh, you know what you have to do. If you're a mom and at home, you know you've got lots to do. You've got a mandate to do something. And so the mandate is an official order to do something. I love how he then said, Apostleship is the kingdom drive to establish and further the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now those are bunch of big words used by Debia, but it simply says that the kingdom needs to come. There where the king reigns, there where our father, God our father, does his business, there the kingdom comes. And he's inviting who? Every single one of us. Not the super apostles, not those that are sorted out, not those that can really enjoy worship freely and those that have dealt with all their hurts and their trauma and their stuff. No, every single one of us are invited and I love that as he shared that with us. He said it's God's big vision that we can partner and be co-heirs of and like we saw this morning with parenting, we can all say we need help. So God said, yes, I'm going to give you these apostolic mandates. I'm going to call you as apostles. I'm going to call you out to further the kingdom. I'm going to send you, send you, send you. But I'm also going to empower you. I'm going to help you. They did not receive Lisa Kanye into their life and not saying to her, hey, my little girl, I'm going to help you. I am going to help you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to listen to that voice of yours. Not always going to adhere to what you say, but I'm going to listen and I'm going to be close to you. And as, they, as parents are going to help her, God says, hey, I know you're going to need help with this task. I'm going to help you through my spirit. And so we might sit here and think, well, it's one or two or three or five people's jobs Of those that have just come back from India, those on their way to Portugal. I said to Edna, I've got a sabbatical over that time. I don't know, sabbatical, Portugal, it kind of it actually rhymes. I think this might be Jesus. That's a joke. Please don't, don't use that. Don't use that. But um, it's something I'm thinking of. Anyway, but we are all called to be witnesses, Debi told us. That is for every single one of us. There's not a super apostle out there. We are all called to be witnesses. And he beautifully said that where should we go and witness? It starts right here where you are. We know scripture by now, and uh, he beautifully shared it with you guys. But it's here, right here in Jerusalem. It's, it's not only here, but it's in Judea, Samaria, and then to the rest of the earth. And then last week, he looked at Peter, and uh, Peter the Apostle. And I might say, I really received so much from that. Because he wasn't the guy that had all sorted out. Do you guys have anybody here that think that they've got life figured out at this moment? Anybody? Your career, anybody have figured out their career, and they're in a good space. Come on, you can be honest. Like You are in your five-year plan. Anybody? Who's in their five-year plan? Be honest. <laughs> Somewhere, you, you must be a left brain person that is within their five-year plan at the moment. Come on, just one or two. I think there's a couple going like, mm, yeah, definitely, I am on my way, and I've got it all figured out. And I guess when we look at Peter, and we're going to look at my story and Edna's story just now, you'll realize that we don't need to have everything figured out. And I need his five-year plan, not necessarily mine. I hardly, with three kids at home and running a church and working out my salvation and fear and trembling, I don't even have five-minute plans these days. <laughs> but I do want an intimacy with Jesus. I do want the Holy Spirit to help me. I do need the comforter. I do need the helper. And today, we're just quickly going to look at The apostolic mandate, but the seeds that we potentially are to be the apostolic seed of God in the nations. Look to your neighbor and say, you are seed. Just want to check. Amen. Some wives looking to their husbands saying, you are potential seed. (laughs) To the nations of God. But He is after our hearts. And so Debbie asked me to share my story and share Edna's story and testimony. And I'm going to do that and see how much detail I can quickly, in the time that we have, share with you guys. Um, But one of two, two of you might have heard it before, so please bear with me. But I do believe there's power in a testimony. It is not power in the fact that we've done anything or, in fact, if you look at Peter and you listen to my story, you'll realize that it's the grace of God. But maybe there's, this, there's an element, maybe there's a nugget in there that you're like, I want that. And guess what? Here's the beautiful thing of a testimony. You can go to God and say, Lord, do again. God, come and do again. As you did to them, as you provided for them, as you opened up doors to them, as you tested them in the fire, do again. If that's your prayer, God's going to answer that. And so since I've been born again, that's been, I think, how many years? It's 17 or so years. But since I've been born again, I really have a passion for the Lord's voice. Somebody in intercession said this morning again that we can hear the Lord's voice. That is just my heart. And so from one season to the next, we have just walked by what the Lord had plotted in our hearts. So I'd probably call our story a, an apostolic story of a thousand steps. So it's these small moments of hearing God's voice and obeying that. And that's just a lifestyle that we want. Even, in fact, at this moment, as we sit here, uh, we've sold our property as the Lord had led us. Transfer is due 1st of June, and we don't know where we're going. We can rent our own place for a month or six, but um, God has called us out, and again, we're in this uncomfortable position. Knowing that the Lord had spoken to us, we were accountable about it. We were just not making decisions in and of ourselves. But here we are again in a very uncomfortable position. But we know this is God's heart and He's doing something. And I'm excited for the testimony to come. And so that is just the way that the Lord has been working with us throughout the years. Anybody that studied at Stellenbosch? Anybody glad that they're not studying at Stellenbosch at the moment? I see they're quite busy at the moment. But let's leave that in the Lord's hands. May He have grace on Stellenbosch. But we finished our studies in about 2004, 2005. That's... These days, it's long ago. That's, that's crazy. That is crazy. So I studied at law. I did my LLB I didn't take it. I wasn't too quick um, off the mark in Stellenbosch. So I took a bit of a detour the last year. Uh, before I got saved, I really, yeah, I was a bit of a mess. And so I had to do an extra year. But then I got saved. Praise the year. And so I, I met my wonderful wife, Edna. She had finished her studies within time as as. Um, um, not really, by the way. Um, so she finished the studies. She had a BA degree, then became a chef, and she had these plans to go work for a, a nice magazine to do food journalism. Does that sound like a nice Cape Town job to have? Yes. And so I just wanted to be a lawyer because I could swing and string of three, four words together. Um, and so I thought, well... I'll make enough money as a lawyer. And so that was my heart. And so we actually moved here into town and uh, lived up the road in Friende Street. Um, yes, one or two of you know. And so we lived this beautiful life. I did my articles. She started to work as a chef at Mana in Cliff Street. And um, she then later on took, took another job here in town, and I was working as a commercial lawyer. And so after my articles, in fact, I struggled a bit to, um, to get a, a job immediately after my article so it was about two months and for me that was quite long and one morning here yeah, up in Friende Strat, um in my flat, in our flat, I was sitting having my quiet time and that morning I said God, you are God it's just like for real, you are God I need a job, I didn't say this um, with arrogance but I'm like, you are God like you are God of the Bible how difficult can it be for me to get a, a job as a lawyer and I believe it was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So please don't hear arrogance in it. But you sometimes need to be bold, kind of arrogant, but in a good way. And I said, Lord, please give me a job on a silver platter. Who's ever asked that? <laughs> you should if you need a job. That was about 7 o'clock. 10 o'clock, I drove on my way out of town, stopped. Um, I was just at the match court. Um, I had a case there running and I saw off my client and then I got into the car. I stopped at the petrol station. I saw my phone ringing. It's Russell Turner. And I'm like, Russell, how are you doing? I know him from from a fellowship and he's a lawyer. He's got a, his own niche commercial firm. And he's like, how are you doing? But he's, he's, he's an interesting guy. But he's, he's a straight shooter. And it's like, I keep on seeing your face in my prayers. I'm like, I'm I'm sorry, Russell. Um, I just come from court. Um, He's like, I keep on seeing your face in prayer. I believe I need to give you a job. I'm like, that might be correct. So three three hours after my prayer for a job on a silver platter, Russell phones me up saying, God is bugging him about me in his prayer life. We need to have coffee. We have coffee. He tells me what he'll pay me. I say, thank you. And I started to work for him as a commercial lawyer. We work on mergers and acquisitions, big deals in those days for me, like two, 250 mil, which was for me amazing, so I'm learning a lot, and I'm enjoying it, living in town with my wife, and we are enjoying life. And um, We were in a fellowship, and uh, we went to church, and we did those things, but even though we had the stuff that we had dreamt of and hoped for, we knew that... There was something more, something missing. We then bought a flat, we refurbished it, we put in new floors, and we just set up a very nice flat here in, in gardens, and, um, and we had beautiful dinners, and we could go away on the West Coast for weekends, we jogged around. And so we really in love, we were in love with Cape with, with Town, but still I believe something was, was bugging my heart. And so Edna and I come from a broken, broken homes. Very much a mirror image of each other. And so I really wanted to know, Lord, what is your blueprint for marriage? What is your blueprint for family? And I also saw in the commercial fields how one easily can get swallowed in um, by chasing after many things. And so in our hearts was growing this seed uh, to get out, to get out of the rat race, and to get out of what we have been doing all this time. And um, we just moved, wanted to move to the, to the countryside. Anybody that ever thinks that you need to move to Grayton? Come on, darling. Rebeek. Come, come. Be honest. Not only for weekends. Not only for, for whining and dining. And so this thing started to, to grow in our hearts. We just want to get out. Get out. Even though we've got everything here. Nice jobs. Everything. We want to get out. Because we just want the simple life. And so... Um, one morning I was having my quiet time again. Sometimes it's good to have your quiet times, by the way, but sometimes it can change and wreck your life. And so we had this dream, I'm going to be a lawyer and we're going to do this for a number of years. We're going to have a nice, nice nest egg. We're going to look after ourselves and then we're going to move to the countryside. And uh, one morning in my quiet time, once again, I just clearly heard the Lord drop my heart. Now, again, guys, for those that don't know, it's not an audible voice. You just get a sense. It almost sounds like your voice, but you know this is not you. And I just heard the word, pack up and go. I'm like, I'm living in my own flat. I'm paying my rent. I'm, 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 I'm well. But I just knew that God said, now is the time, back up and go. And it, just, it, was, um, it was 15 years prior to when we thought we should go. I said to Edna, hey, let's, let's pack up and go. And she surprisingly said, well, if God said, pack up and go, we need to pack up and go. Who, if God says to you now, pack up and go, will go? Who thinks it's easy? Yeah, Debbie, I know you will. (laughs) Who thinks it's quite easy? And so we we scrambled around for Scripture. We got one that we we took with us eventually, Matthew 9. It's not on there. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. I had no idea what it actually meant. I thought I knew. And so here, God spoke to us. And so if God speaks, things will work, right? Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so now the question was, God spoke. He's, he is ascending. But the, the difficult part here is, where are we going? Like Abram. He said to Abram, go. But he's like, w- which side of town should I leave? I'm, where am I going? And so the only thing we could come up with was the Ribia Castile. Because we want to move to the countryside. We got married there. Um, it's a beautiful place. Who does not want to go to Still, And so we decided that's what God wants. We need to move to Eribeek. But I'm a commercial lawyer, so we need an established place. Someone has got to pay for this whole mission. So let's move to Marmersbury so that we can establish my law firm, so that we can make, make enough money so that we can do the things that God wants us to do. Amen? Who's ever thought of those kind of plans? Come on, be honest. Thank you for the six of you there being honest. And so that was the big plan. Imagine that went down like a lead balloon for my parents-in-law. They lived up the road in Oranjezucht. And they thought, what are you on? You've got everything sorted. Um, we see them often. But we're like, no, no, it's, um, it's a lifestyle that we, that we think is, is, is better for us. And so we put our place in the market. The thing is, is, on this story, it wasn't as easy and as clear-cut as you might think. But God was constantly working and stretching in my life. Who's ever been stretched by the Lord? So you've got your things figured out things are working the way you had planned but God started to stretch me I didn't realize it he said back up and go I didn't leave immediately we only moved a year later about we placed up put our place in the market asked God what is your price it couldn't sell Six months, four months later we like Lord should we bring down the price both of us heard the Lord say I didn't bring down the price we sell our flat we make a massive profit we're like man it's good serving God Man, I can do a lot of this. But meanwhile, we didn't know that this was a divine setup once again. So a year later, we actually moved and we moved to Marmaspree. I don't have a job there. Everything I did to try to get a commercial job out in Marmaspree failed. It just didn't work out. But I thought if I get out of the boat, if I actually move in obedience, that once we get there, God's going to release the job. It's going to happen. And so we moved there thinking, Lord, I'm going to drive in. So I was practicing at that stage in Steenberg Office Park. Who knows where that is? That's on the other side of Tukai. I moved to Marmasbury. So if you, you may Google. You may use your phone and quickly Google that. It's, it's called crazy. <laughs> but we want to change the world. Martyrs, so to speak. Not really, but chasing after what we believe is God's heart for us. And so we said, one month, Lord, I'll drive in and out. One month became two months, became three months. And um, driving in and out, but working on that side of the world. And I remember I I then realized, well, something's up. Lord, um, I think maybe I've lost it. Maybe I've missed you on this one. Then one morning in my quiet time on my way, the Lord said to me, you will not even smell of smoke. I'm like, I've heard those words. Who knows where that's, that is in the Bible? Yes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into the furnace because they did not bow down to the king. And God protected them. And when they got out of the fire, they did not even smell of smoke. And immediately when I heard that, that I realized something's up. As I was driving, waiting for my, for my amazing job, in Malmesbury, so that I can have my amazing house in the Ribiak, so that I can love the Lord, as Debbie beautifully said, to make my life better, um, and have my wraparound stoop, and have my two-and-a-half SUVs, and my two-and-a-half children, and have my pension, and all sorted out. As I was making that plan, I started to realize God was doing something else. He's changing the directions. He's changing Um, us on this road that we are on. Edna left her job as we got Frida. Long story short, a lady came to minister to her and said, and she started to cry and weep. Who's ever come to you with the word weeping? Be careful. (laughs) So they are sensing something that you are not sensing yet and so she came and, and she prophesied over Edna and saying that you, and she cried. She said you're going to go into a season where you're going to need a lot of faith. Ned and Ed like I was like, my husband's a lawyer. I'm just leaving my job. We'll be fine. Anyway, and so what happened next is we're living in Malmersbury. I've been driving in and out for a year. I don't have that job that is going to give me what God has called me for because my mind and my heart is not there where the Lord wants it yet. And then the 2008 recession hit and I lost my job. So now we are in this, in this little town where we believe God had sent us. Without employment, with a kid. And the whole of the world is, is thinking, what did you do with your life? How did this happen? And, um, and immediately, the things that I believed in and the things that I stood on and the things that I banked on started to be questioned a lot. But the beautiful thing is is that God was constantly in this stretching. He was close to me as a father. In his stretching, he took me by the hand. In his stretching, day by day, he spoke into my life. Now, you can just imagine how my prayer life grew in that situation. Here I am in a town. Um, at a stage, we, I needed to give my vehicle back to the, to, the, to the bank. And so now here I am in a town. God had spoken to us. He's given us this, this apostolic mandate and call. But now everything seems like it is falling apart. Who's ever experienced something like that? That you go in a direction, you wholeheartedly believe it's the Lord, and yet what you see on the surface doesn't seem to be that way. And so what ensued was five years in Malmuxbury. Remember, we wanted to be there for six months, set up shop, move to Eribiak, lead a small group, go on a mission, like good Christians do. Amen? Now we know, we're living in a poor place, a very small place. We, don't, we have one vehicle where we had to... I was asked by Russell to maybe become a director of his law firm before 30. I'm not a director of a law firm. I'm wearing a piti brook, and I'm learning to pray with the tannies. I'm receiving vouchers, and we're receiving checkers' bags full of food, because for three and a half years, we lived without a real income. So all of a sudden, Scripture is totally different. All of a the sudden, these words and prophecies is totally different. All of a sudden, we are reminded that we are in the fire, but God is doing something. Are we going to allow Him? One thing that I saw from Israel is the whole of Israel came out of Egypt, but not the whole of Israel of that generation got into the Promised Land, right? Why? Because they hardened their hearts. And one thing, by the grace of God, is in those moments, and I can keep you busy, I've got four or five diaries written, every single cent that the God came through every single time God came through, every single time Matthew six was 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 manifested in our lives supernaturally, time and time and again, I wrote that down. As testimonies as memorial stones of God's grace and goodness. But in that furnace God was busy doing something in my heart. He was stretching me. I needed to let go of my suit, I needed to let go of my job, the salary, everything in my culture that I held on to, I needed to let go. I didn't realize it, but God was busy doing something beautiful, and as I let that go, my intimacy with Him grew so much further. By the way, this is not your story. This is not exactly the road that you need to follow, but this was ours, so that we can hear the apostolic seed mandate on our lives, so that we can catch a wake up to what He actually wants to do, so that we can actually hear Him in the process. There's so many moments where the Lord just supernaturally came through. When I was standing in the middle of the month, I've got one kid. By the way, in the midst of this, and please don't judge now because we can so easily do. In the midst of those three and a half years, we were unemployed and not having a a proper income. We had already um, obviously used the profit of our flat here in town a long time ago. In the middle of all of that, God said, have your second child now. Not like now, like in the season. And we're like... I know what God's up to. I'm going to get the job now. Because God would not say to me, have the child if I'm not going to get the job. Eh? So I was still holding on to If I can just get the job. If I can just get the salary. And he's stretching. So we're like, no, we're going to do an obedience. And again, we were accountable. We didn't just decide we're just going to do this. We had, by God's grace, two, three to five amazing fruit-bearing Christians around us that we could bounce stuff off the whole time. They, in fact, kept me up. I would phone them up and say, this thing has bounced. I am definitely deceived. I've missed God. It's false prophecies. This is not of God. And they're like, "Uh, God spoke to me last week. I just need to affirm you. And God said to me to bless you with this amount of money. And then I'm like, oh, so God broke all of that down in, in in this time. Coming back to having a child. We so often judge people for having children when we don't think it's comfortable for us but so we had the child thinking, well, I'm going to get the job, definitely. And so it was definitely frowned upon by many people that Edna's pregnant, you don't have employment, you pray all day, what's up with this? Um, and so the days become months, and nine months went by pretty quick, and I didn't get that job. It was, we made a list of what we needed. We needed about twenty thousand, twenty-one thousand 21000 at that stage for everything, because Edna still had to come to the Cape Town Clinic. Because that's what she wanted to do. And God said yes. And so we wrote down everything we needed. And to the day, we don't know, but three days before Sophia came, somebody blessed us with that exact amount. We didn't ask for the money. We didn't send out a flyer. We didn't send out an email. But the exact amount, like 22,000 rand, was paid into our bank account. We still don't know who that was. God provided for the child he gave to us. And again, something in my heart shifted. Again, God stretched something. Against something I thought I believed, I realized I didn't, I could repent, and I saw him. Man, he's a good father. Maybe one more testimony. Um, Edna's one brother got married up in Joburg, and so now I imagine we're a family of four having to travel to, to Joburg, fly up to Joburg to go to a wedding. One of those weddings that you can't say no. Anybody, anybody in a family like that? One of those weddings you can't say no to. And so we had one car left at that stage. I am like, Lord, what are we going to do? We need to get to the wedding. And we didn't ever ask my parents-in-law for money. Uh, we could have. Um, sometimes I'm, I spite this But anyway, we did. not God just said, no, you ask me. You ask the head, not the hand. That's how it works. Long story short, I'm like, Lord, we need to get to the wedding. What do we do? And please put your safety belts on for this one. He said, sell your car. Anybody that does Bible school stewardship, we can chat afterwards. Um, I can explain more. But the Lord said, sell your car. And I'm like, here, again, accountable, unity in the house, because unity is important between you and your spouse if you're married, and then accountability. And everybody said, yes. I'm like, well, that must be God. Sold my car, bought the tickets, went to the wedding. Now, we come back, and we've got 30K left. I'm like, okay, where am I going to get an Uno for 30000 bucks? Because I've got a family of four, I'm unemployed, and I live in Marmersbury. I used to be a lawyer. And um, God says, live off the money. Again, when God says it's not His audible voice, it's just the sense that you get that this is your Father. You journal it, and you know His voice by now, because believe you me, you've been crying out to Him daily. And you've had also amazing moments with Him. And he's like, live off the money. I'm like, okay. Edna didn't take too lightly to that one, I remember. But anyway, we start paying debt, and we, or we start living off, off that money. And um, one day, Duval phones me up, my pastor, and he says, hey, I hope you with the stress. Just as Duval would do. Um, he says, come on, drive me. Let's just come and see me. And I uh, walk into his office. He's like, uh, somebody phoned me. They came to see me. God spoke to them. They need to give you a car. And immediately, guys, you must understand this. Edna always said, oh, I love those people that, that just get the envelopes. It's one thing to see people being blessed, but it's another thing to be in that constant position where you need the grace of God to flow through other people. I just broke down, not because, and it was a, not the prettiest car in the world, but that was the most beautiful presence of God's heart. It's not about material things. It's about the fingerprints of God on His story. When he speaks, he provides, but not in my way. Boy, oh boy, not in my way. I walked into the office, and he said, "Somebody, God spoke to somebody. They need to bless. They didn't even know a situation." Once again, and then you walk out there, you're totally humbled. You're totally humbled, but you're like, "Man, I can't be in a better place." It's so fulfilling to know that God is so faithful, and so God provided, and just to bring that whole. Marmersbury season to a close. It was intense. It's now, I can quickly share in a couple of minutes what happened. But remember, this is, this is time. This is day in and day out for five years, three and a half years without a real income. I got part of a law firm, but that just never picked up at all. But what opened up constantly was ministry opportunities. And I'm like, but Lord, I need the job. I need... It's like, come preach the gospel. But Lord, it's like, come serve in church. Come. Give Bible school. Go do MTP. MTP is something you can do if you're in chauffeur. I didn't even know what MTP is. I'm like, I don't want to do MTP. I want a job and a salary that helps us. And he's like, no, follow me. I'm a good father. I will provide. And so one day we were at Louis Jonker's house in Marmersbury, and I saw a dartboard. Who's ever seen a dartboard? And all the darts were stuck in the bullseye. Like, it's just a very simple childlike picture again. As I saw that, God said, everything, everything will happen um, simultaneously. Alles sal gelijk in Afrikaans. So I'm like, okay, cool. So at that stage, I had a property that I couldn't sell. I did, like, we brought the price down and down and down and down. I couldn't sell. So we were cash strapped even though we had an asset that we couldn't sell. And so within four days in 2013, one to four December, four days, we were blessed with that car. God restored us to have wheels. That house that I had sold for a decent price, and I, 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 I signed the offer to purchase, and I got my first real employment again at Shofar, and I, I, I walked into ministry. Within four days, God restored everything. And all of a sudden, you realize, but He's sovereignly involved in these things. When As He sent us out, I had no idea the road that we would go through. I had no idea of the fire... That we would go through. I had no idea how intimately and how beautifully I will get to know him in the process. Yet when he decided now is the time, in four days, four days is very short after five years, three major things, practical things, very normal human things, but profoundly big things to my heart at that stage just came through. And immediately we saw God's hand on that. I started to work at Chauffeur, Marmersbury, and the rest is history. After that, the Lord started to give us words for, for Shofar table view. I didn't realize what it was. There was two clear words that He's going to send us there. But as He sent us into the one season, He was preparing us in a very interesting, and um, but yet very authentic way for the season of sending again. But here's the thing. We needed to allow Him to stretch our hearts. There was a moment where I so desperately wanted to hold on to what I thought I needed versus what the Word had said, but that stretching became too much to bear. And luckily, I let the right side go. Are you hearing my heart? Sometimes we are stretched between the kingdom of God and the things of our, this world and culture. we stretched out of our brains because we so desperately want to displease both. But as He renews my heart and as He renewed my mind, luckily by His grace, I let the right one go. I'm not sure where you are getting stretched, but Trust me, you will get stretched if you wholeheartedly want to follow Him. I wrote down here, as I end just our story, God was gracious, God was intimate, He was present, He was faithful, He was fulfilling. He was able, and He was constantly sovereign. I got to know Him, and I got to know myself in that season. So what is this apostolic seed that we all have? So, Anybody wants that story? Anybody ready now to pray? Maybe not yet. Okay. Just five nuggets that I'm quickly going to share with you from that story and from our testimony and from what I see in Scripture. Because we all have potential apostolic seed in our lives. We all are God's apostolic seed. Who wants to use it right now? (laughs) Let's look at Scripture. The first one is we need to lose to find. It's easy to quote that. It's easy to pass it on. It's another thing, I guess, to live it. And I'm in other situations, again, where I need to live that afresh. where God needs to free up my heart. Scripture says, John twelve twenty four. I assure you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces a large crop. The one who loves his life will lose it. and The one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You see, very simply in our story was, I didn't realize, I thought I was living wholeheartedly for the Lord. I had received this prophetic unction. He called us out, but still he had to circumcise my heart. But how beautiful he didn't send me an email saying, Hey man, you're really missing the mark on the salary thing. Man, you're really missing the mark on, on this, that, and the other. He did not do any of those things. But day by day he said, Let me walk with you. Let me walk with you. Let me walk with you graciously as a good father. Let us walk this out. The one thing I ask of you, this is my words, but what I sense God said to me in that father is the only thing I need from you is keep your heart soft. The only thing that I need from you, even when you and you will often not understand, keep my reverence by keeping your heart soft. He can only work through your heart as you keep it soft. And that was a massive thing in my life. He was with us every step of the way. The second nugget. Which is obvious, if you want to be apostolic seed, if you want to take the apostolic mandate that Debbie shared with with you guys as a church, and you want to be apostolic seed, you need to know that it needs to come from your heart. It needs to come from your heart. Some of you, most of you, are strong. You can go for it. You can build many things. You can do massive things. You can do awesome things. But God does not want you to do it in your own strength because it's the right thing to do. He wants to catch your heart first. He had to take us on this very interesting journey. Yours would look differently. But He wanted to catch our hearts. He wanted my heart in the process, like I guess He wants yours. It is in that intimacy with Him, in that relationship with Him, there alone He can captivate my heart. Now, I did this in a previous sermon series, but I quickly want to refer to that because we very often throw around the term heart. But what does it actually mean if you look at the Strong's and if you look at the Greek? What does it mean? Because the heart is very important apostolically. All the big things that you've seen happen, that God, all the great moves of God, all the massive revivals, all the things that today you see that is beautiful, happened firstly in the heart of one man, happened in another person, in another person. As in unity, God works through the hearts of his sons and daughters. And so, if you want to see great moves of God, If you want him to move, you need to allow him into your heart. What is the heart? We can see there it's very simply our thoughts and our feelings and our mind. The Bible mentions over 300 times, but here's for me the clincher. The heart is used as a metaphor for the seat of our most basic orientation. Look here, I had to move to Malmesbury with my most basic orientation my thought life. What is really important to me? Our deepest commitments. You guess what? In the fire, your deepest commitments comes out. Not when I'm having a flat white on my stoop of my flat up the road, when I'm working and I'm getting my good salary and I'm going away for, for weekends with my parents-in-law. They paid, praise God. Not this. My basic orientations came out when I, it got really tested. What we trust in most is what we most love and hope in and what we most treasure, what captures our imaginations. I thought I knew what captured my imagination. It's not a hard thing, it's a beautiful thing, how God then very simply allowed me and said, hey, come and have a look. Come, let's walk this road, let's go on this journey. We never ended up in the Riby Castile, as you might realize. Three and a half years down the road, God one morning showed me a harp. I looked up. What does that mean? It says metaphor or prophecy. That very simply means it's, it was a picture. I said, Lord, did I actually leave town, moved out all this way, went through these three or four years, and it was only a metaphor? He said to me, yes. Because now you're in a place that you can hear me. I'm like, Lord, could you not have given me a dream? <laughs> Couldn't an anointed pastor like Debbie just give me a hard word? I'm like, we had to lose everything so that we can hear him. And he said, the the countryside is, is a metaphor. I'm your countryside. I am what you were yearning for. It is in me where you find that. And there my heart for the first time could, could, could catch what the Lord was actually saying. Because what? My treasures changed. My imaginations changed. And he did never do it in a harsh or hard way. He graciously, he took one step and he said, are you willing to come? And he took another step, are you willing to come? And I could on many occasions decide I'm out. It's a nice job. My father-in-law organized two commercial jobs for me in that time. He set me up. In a good way, because that's what father, fathers-in-law do. And I just... By God's grace said, No, thanks, I can't do it now. But God was to say, Hey, come, can I change the orientation and the thinking and the imaginations of your heart? Will you allow me in? We have got free will, which is beautiful, but also sometimes a bit intense. In Ezekiel already, about the new covenant dispensation, the Lord says, and go read it, I don't have time for it today. And I will give you a new heart, and I will cleanse you, and I will, and I will, and I will, and I will, and I will. The only thing that I can do is keep my heart soft and say, I allow you. That's all. There's nothing else on earth that I can do. You don't have to be Steve Stunning to be an apostle. You just need to say, I allow you. I allow you to touch my heart, to burn in my heart for you, where you want to use me and how you want to use me, Lord. Three very short ones left. Apostolic seeds need to be son seeds or daughters for that matter. Hebrews 3 says, Therefore, holy brothers and companions in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle. He was the first apostle, Jesus. The high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one appointed him. And then it goes on in verse 5. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household as a testimony. And then it says in verse 6, But Christ was faithful as a son. That's one thing I, I learned from the whole Mama's season: is sonship. My identity clarified, established. Like we heard last week with Peter, I needed my identity in God to be established as a son of God because that cannot be taken away. Guess what? Everything that I have... In life, if I kept on with my commercial career, if I had many things of this world, I would have kept nothing. But one thing that you will not lose going into eternity is your identity in God. I realized that as an Afrikaner in Malmesbury, I could be stripped of many things money, cars, you name it. Whatever was egocentric, I got stripped of that, but I could not get stripped of one thing, and that is sonship. It's the one thing that couldn't get taken away from me. That is necessary to be faithful as a son of God. You think the thing is, I've realized is that apostolic sons, apostolic son seeds will go further than servants. Apostolic servants, apostolic slaves will not go as far as apostolic sons. And so before you do anything, allow him in. Keep your heart soft and say, Lord, establish my identity. I don't want to do anything for you unless you establish my identity and do this in my life. The second to last thing that ties in with the last one, I guess, is it's not that attractive. Apostolic seeds are not that attractive. It's not that attractive. It doesn't come with an iPad, a flat white a pair of nice kicks, a nice car bucky. You guys don't probably do, do buckies. I'm old enough to do buckies. Um, but it doesn't come with all of that. It doesn't come with the flat necessarily. It might do, but it doesn't. It doesn't come with that, that plan. I assure you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces a large crop. The thing is, it is fulfilling. It is real. Even though it's raw, it is real. It is definitely countercultural. It is definitely mostly counterintuitive. Look at all of God's stories. Jesus. That many of God's stories, Jesus, Paul, think of Joseph, Moses, think of Daniel, if you think of Peter, if you think of the disciples, the ones he chose. It's not always the best ideas. Like God, was that your was that really your idea? Heretif and Ednam Doesn't seem like a good idea. But you you see is when you look at nature. I've got a couple of seeds there, thank you. I've got apple seeds in the car, but it just couldn't work, so. I... But those apple seeds and definitely the ever and the mango definitely is disproportionate to the eventual fruit and harvest. Who wants that? If you didn't know what it was, if you didn't know what it carried, what would you, you would have just chucked it, throw it away. But it's a beautiful picture, I believe, of apostolic seed. If if Marmesbury, if I knew that this was Marmesbury, I would have said no, thank you, because I didn't realize the potential that it carried. I didn't realize it carries the potential of Jesus Christ. And so God uses nature even to show us: be careful of how you judge seeds. And if you're in a seed season, apostolic seed season, be careful not to judge it according to what it looks like, feels like. It's hard. It's not worth anything. You can't eat it. You can't, you can't do much with it. But help the Spirit remind you of the harvest that it might represent. The eventual fruit that can come from that, that seed. And that is just the thing. Is, is That apostolic seed is not very attractive, but it's beautiful. It is potent and it's powerful. And we need to lo- let the Lord do that. I don't know what you are facing, but we're going to pray now that... The Lord will remind you not to judge your season, not to judge where you've stepped out in faith, not to judge it just according to the seeds. The second last one is, it's not neatly packaged. I know you know that by now. Like our story, we couldn't go on what it looks like, but we needed to go by what? Peace. Relational peace. He is the peace. This is the peace that gives us, surpasses all understanding. In other words, we couldn't figure it out, but we needed to trust Him. So you might be in a season and it looks weird to the world. Just quickly look at Angus Buchan. He was planting potatoes when he shouldn't. He was standing on the back of his bucky, preaching to his crop, preaching to a field. And if you go judge that seed, you would think he's merely a madman, right? Come on, be honest. If you drive down the West Coast and you see a guy on the back of his bucky preaching to millies, what would you think? (laughs) Come, be honest. You don't think mighty men. No, you don't. You don't think books and movies and preaching over the whole world and people's lives being turned around and how many wombs and tannies have been influenced by wombs going to mighty men. No, you don't think of it. You think of the madman on the back of the bucky. Maybe God today is inviting you to be the madman on the back of the bucky. That went well. Well, went down done well. Maybe it's a sign that we should close. The last thing is is... Yes, we should be sons. Yes, it's not that easy. And yes, we should be careful not to judge it for what it looks like when we're in the thick of things. But at the end of the day, apostolic seed is sovereign. It is real. It is raw. It is relational. It is effective. And it is glorious. Our God is faithful. And He's a good Father. He will never push any apostolic seeds into the ground. But He will ask you, even though you do not understand, even though this does not look like much, will you trust my potential upon this? Will you trust my potential upon the process? Will you trust me to be the God of the harvest and of the fruit to come from this? Will you stand with me, please? I'm just going to pray for us and give a moment for, for you to respond just where you're standing. And then we'll worship in that. But you can connect with God and, and, and just hear Him whisper into your life. It's not a deep prayer, but it's a prayer that, that can ultimately just change the direction direction of your life, and the trajectory of, of a generation. And it's a very simple prayer in that will you allow God to touch your heart? Of all of what you've heard this morning, and as you see the scripture calling us to let go of our lives to find it, as you hear our weird story of Ritifinapiti, Brook and Marmersbury,
1: And it
0: doesn't sound like an attractive story or a feel-good story, but you know it can carry the potential to change nations. Not my story, but our stories. The question is very simple. Will you allow Him to touch your heart? That's it. If that's you, well, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. You just... You don't know what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it. But you are very simply just saying, God, you may touch my heart. God, I thank you for all of these hands. Thank you, Father God, for the potential apostolic seeds that are in this room. Thank you that very simply we say we know the DNA of Jesus Christ. Our our apostle, the one that was sent before us. Because of him and because of his testimony, because of his spirit that lives inside of us, we just say yes. Like Ratif and Edna had no clue when they lived in town. We might not have no clue what you want to do and are going to do, but we say you are a good God, we trust you, and you will do it graciously as you do. We allow you in. We allow you to work in our hearts, to set a fire ablaze in our hearts again, in Jesus' name. And then I want to pray, if you actually had stepped out before, you had planted a seed, but it didn't work out the way you thought. And maybe mid-sentence you took that seed out of the ground again and put it in your pocket. Because it really hurt and it, it wasn't that easy. Or maybe somebody, a church or a leader or a friend let you down. But you decided to, to take back that seed. If, if that happened to you, I just want to pray healing and restoration to that. And that God will restore that apostolic seed that you might have plucked back from the ground. If that is you, just raise your hand that we can pray for healing. Thank you, Lord. We can just pray for healing, Lord. Thank you, Father God, where my brothers and sisters believe that they have followed you in a moment, Lord, where you have sent them with a mandate and and things, and the fire became maybe unbearing, Lord. And maybe other people didn't. Come to the party as they should have, Lord. Maybe the body didn't do what the body needed to do. I have no idea. But the bottom line is, they're saying, Lord, please come and heal my heart. Please come and restore faith and hope in me that I can put back the seed in the ground. Put back the seed in your hand so that I can trust you again. For them, I just very want, simply want to pray two things. Lord, I pray for healing and intimacy. Healing and intimacy. Nothing else. No booklets, no quick help, no this, no that. Lord, healing and intimacy. Healing for every heart and intimacy again with the Father. Intimacy again with the Father. Intimacy again with the Father. I saw this morning when I prayed... I saw people lying on the ground as if dead. And then slowly but surely they stood up again. And I just heard in my spirit resurrection. And so Lord, I pray for apostolic seed in this place that needs to be resurrected. We just say thank you, Lord, that you are resurrected. You are a good and faithful God as we have seen you many times, Lord. As we see in your word, as we see many testimonies, as I can attest to your goodness, we just say thank you for resurrection life over these hearts and these spirits and these promises, these prophecies and these apostolic seeds they needed in this moment thank you father thank you father we just declare have your way thank you that you are a good father and that you will help us you never take our lives from us but we can willingly and lovingly give it to you in intimacy we can lose it you do not take it we can lose it but you do not take it may we know how good you are and that you are faithful and that you are gracious have your way have your way
1: just close your eyes and pray with me as we respond to this I'm gonna pray from Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd Lord nothing else will lead me I desire nothing else to lead me but you my shepherd I shall not want anything else God I give you all the prerequisites I have all the things, Father, that stand in the way. I shall not want as you lead me, because I know where you lead me. <laughs> we might think it's going to be tough forever. It's going to be horrible. But then we find you in the, in, the, in the inner room. And we see that you make us lie down in green pastures. And you lead us beside still waters. That's where you're taking us. You restore our souls and you lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And yes, we might go through the valley of the shadow of death. You might lead us through a valley of the shadow of death. We will not fear. For you are with us. You are and your staff that comfort us. And we might have enemies and people who are against us in this journey that we hand... Ourselves over to you and and in that place you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our head with oil and our cup overflows. And surely, surely and we can testify, me and Ratif and so many of us can testify. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It's always been like that, God. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us just bring our own hearts before him and just answer. Just answer him this morning. Whatever you need to answer to this morning through this word. and are going to sing a song. You don't have to sing along. If you don't want, you can just answer to God. And then we'll close the service after that. is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, my Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, His power is displayed.